Sometimes life is difficult and you just need a hand to lift you up. The Bible is full of those helping hands, but how do you access them? How do you apply them? Join our weekly conversation and think about the Bible like you never have before. Listen, watch, and interact with us at ChristianQuestions.com. You're listening to Christian Questions. Here's Rick and Jonathan. A Slovakian proverb says, anger is the only thing to put off till tomorrow. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Folks, we thank you for joining us today. This is a contact-friendly format, and we welcome your thoughts via email, messaging us at ChristianQuestions.com, Facebook, and our website chat board. So, Jonathan, what's our topic for today? Well, Rick, our question is, what can I do now about procrastination later? Our theme text is found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Okay, so it's about what can I do now about procrastination later? And you know, I'm not even going to ask the question because let's face it, we all know what the answer is. We all procrastinate. The only real question is, what kind of procrastinator am I? Do I put things off only when I'm not in the mood to do them? Do I avoid some tasks like the plague because I really thoroughly dislike them? Or... Or am I the guy who just doesn't seem to want to do anything? You know, the guy who's mastered the fine art of creative avoidance, which makes me actually look like I'm busy and productive when in reality I'm running and hiding. What are the implications of being a Christian procrastinator? Our lives are supposed to be all about doing the will of God through Jesus, and that is not really something we ought to be toying with. So, what's the answer? How do we face, understand, and finally defeat the urge to procrastinate? So, Jonathan, um, several things here. First of all, we do have uh, a guest with us today to help us with this question. Julie is back. Julie, our C-Crew Rewinder extraordinaire. Hello, Julie. How are you? Hi, Rick and Jonathan. How are you? We brought you in for procrastination. Why did we do that? You know, we've been wanting to do this program for a long time, but kept putting it off. Uh. <laughs> All right. I'm only just a little kidding. It is something we've been planning for a while. Yes, it is. All right. Well, listen, folks, coming up in today's podcast, procrastination is, a pervasive, is pervasive, and for many of us, it's actually debilitating. The good news is that there are several things that we can do to counter the challenge of continually putting things off. There are actually several procrastination predictors. During the podcast, we're going to identify them and talk about practical ways to observe these characteristics and take action to counterbalance them. Because putting things off is such a huge challenge, we're going to identify also during the podcast several practical ways to cut the procrastination monster down to size. And then we're going to ask an important question. Is there a difference between procrastination and patience? Both keep us from acting. And yes, there are profound differences. We're going to label those differences and reveal how to distinguish between the two. But first, let's look at the two main circumstances that we tend to procrastinate in. Uh, 
So all of that being said, a lot to talk about, Jonathan. We're not going to put anything off. We're going to get right to it. So, Jonathan, why don't you get us started? Just let's do a little bit in terms of definition. Everybody kind of knows what a procrastinator or procrastination is. But first of all, where does it come from? Well, procrastination comes from the Latin pro, meaning forward, forth, or in favor of. And crastinus, meaning of tomorrow. Okay. And the Merriam-Webster Collegiate Dictionary? That says to put off intentionally the doing of something that should be done. Okay. Putting off intentionally the doing of something that should be done. Now, according to Dr. Pierce Steele, Professor of Human Resources and Organizational Dynamics, um, he's got a really good working definition of procrastination. And what is that, Jonathan? To voluntarily delay an intended course of action despite expecting to be worse off for the delay. Okay, so we're going to get started now. There's, uh, and, and first of all, Julie, before we get into the, there, there's two main kinds of procrastination. Any thoughts just about procrastination in general as we've just defined it? Well, I will give you a, a fun synonym. <laughs> I found this word, shilly shilly shally is to show indecision, hesitation, or to waste time or dawdle. So without any further shilly shally, we'll keep going. Okay. All right. Shilly shally. That sounds very British, I think, or something. I don't know. Um, there are actually two main kinds of procrastinators, those with deadlines and those without deadlines. So we're going to go to an example of procrastination with a deadline to get started. And this is a piece of a song from the play, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, which actually came out in the 1960s. This is the 1999 rendition of that play. And uh, this is a song about all the kids. You got Charlie Brown and Linus and Schroeder and Lucy. They're all supposed to be writing a book report on the book Peter Rabbit. And of course, Charlie Brown's the procrastinator in the group. And he just can't get around to starting. The rest of them are trying really hard to do their, to do their book report. So we're going to drop in on this song because it just simply it, it, it identifies the difference between the Charlie Brown, I don't know what to do and how to do it and why I should do it and why do I have to do it now, versus the others that are actually working on it. So here's the dilemma of the song, A Book Report on Peter Rabbit. If I start writing now when I'm not really rested, it could upset my thinking, which is no good at all. I'll get a fresh start tomorrow, and it's not due till Wednesday, so I'll have all of Tuesday unless something should happen. Why does this always happen? I should be outside playing, getting fresh air and sunshine. I work best under pressure, and there'll be lots of pressure if I wait till tomorrow. I should start writing now, but if I start writing now when I'm not really Really rested, it could upset my thinking, which is no good at all. And then, of course, the rest of the song, you get into it, and they're all, you know, working, working, working. So, Julie, the first kind of procrastinator is procrastination when there's a deadline. Yeah, and that's uh, something that I think we all run into pretty much throughout all of our lives. And that's the kind of procrastination I think that we are most readily able to focus in on. And yeah, you can tell you're a procrastinator when you've got a deadline. But there is another kind of procrastination that we want to talk about. And that's procrastination without a deadline. And one of the main problems here is we have a hard time making the future real in terms of our present. 
And Julie, let's well, let's do the soundbite, and then let's do some examples and, and so forth of, of this type of procrastination, because this is actually very, very insidious. This soundbite, it comes from uh, a TED Talk from Tim Urban, Inside the Mind of a Master Procrastinator. Let's listen. Everything I've talked about today, the examples I've given, they all have deadlines. And when there's deadlines, the effects of procrastination are contained to the short term because the panic monster gets involved. But there's a second kind of procrastination that happens in situations when there is no deadline. So if you want to have a career where you want to be a self-starter, something in the arts, something entrepreneurial, there's no deadlines on those things at first because nothing's happening at first, not until you've gone out and done the hard work to get some momentum, to get things going. There's also all kinds of important things outside of your career that don't involve any deadlines, like seeing your family or exercising and taking care of your health, working on your relationship or getting out of a relationship that isn't working. All right, so Julie, this second kind of procrastination, give us a little bit more on it and how it works. Well, you know, when I was preparing for this program, I never really gave it much thought to divide tasks between those with and without deadlines. But it's those without deadlines are the ones that lead to dread, resentment, and bitterness because you don't get that last bit of adrenaline right before the deadline to take you through. So without a specific deadline to motivate us, and if there's a long delay into fulfillment, we've got a difficult time making a future seem real in the present. A great example of this is telling a 19-year-old kid to start saving for retirement and conceive of that. Or an example of a family member of mine who suspected something medically was wrong, but delayed going to the doctor for two years, and that was just enough time for the cancer to spread to a point where treatment was impractical and she ended up dying. So it's the second kind of procrastination where the future reward is vague and distant. And this is ultimately what I think the Christian faces and what we have to be on guard most against. Okay, so this second kind of procrastination is 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 the kind that it seems easier to procrastinate because there's no that the horizon is so far away. And oftentimes though it can be the most costly kind of procrastination. And an example of someone with cancer, for instance, I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge thing to, to put off uh, treatment because you're afraid of the results or whatever it is. That's a kind of procrastination that we have to really, really watch out for. So most of us are familiar with the kind of procrastination where there's a deadline, a deadline. Uh, and, but many of us are still victims of that other kind of procrastination, which can actually be more harmful in the long run. So in the first context of the theme scripture, Jonathan, you read the theme scripture. It was from Second Peter one ten. Um, we're going to be going through the context of Second Peter chapter one verses one through eleven in each segment. We're going to do verses one through three here, and this is just going to get us started on laying out the groundwork of what procrastination, um, the, the kinds of things that can get in our way as Christians and what we need to do about them. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received the faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord seeing that his divine power his, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Okay, so we're, every time we go through the Second Peter scriptures, uh, chapter 1, 
we're going to be taking a look at kind of breaking it down into a, a point of progress, a progress point. So, Jonathan, having put that scripture on the table, what's the first progress point to begin with? Well, Rick, it says we are promised that we are given everything we need to succeed. So part of understanding procrastination is, you know, sometimes we procrastinate because we don't feel like we don't have the tools or we don't, we're not prepared. What, what 2 Peter 1, 1 to 3 is telling us, you've got everything that you absolutely need to fulfill your walk as a Christian. This is really, really important stuff to get started. Let's go back to Tim Urban with the TED Talk and about this second kind of procrastination. Um, and so, Julie, once we get the soundbite, we'll get your comments on this a little bit further delving into the second type of procrastination that doesn't necessarily have a deadline, but can be very, very dangerous. And it's this long-term kind of procrastination that's much less visible and much less talked about than the funnier short-term deadline-based kind. It's usually suffered quietly and privately, and it can be the source of a huge amount of long-term unhappiness and regrets. And I thought, you know, that's why these people are emailing, and that's why they're in such a bad place. It's not that they're cramming for some project. It's that long-term procrastination has made them feel like a spectator, at times, in their own lives. You know, the frustration was not that they couldn't achieve their dreams, it's that they weren't even able to start chasing them. So, Julie, you said something about being a spectator in your own life with this long-term procrastination. Thoughts? Well, I think what that means is that you end up watching life go by and months and years and decades go by and you're no farther than you were before. We're about to read a scripture in Revelation 2.10. Maybe we can read that first and I can continue. Okay, Jonathan, uh, the the latter portion of Revelation 2.10. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So here's our goal. Our goal as the Christian is to make a walk that at the end of our life, we are rewarded with immortality, with a crown of life. But we want to follow Jesus. What does that mean, though? What does that mean to me today? What does that mean to me 10 years from now? What does it mean to me 20 years from now? It's a real kind of a nebulous idea. And so you don't want to wake up five years, 10 years from now, or a day before you end up dying and saying, well, how did I really get, how was I really following him? Okay, so the walk of a Christian then, here's the thing, there's no room for procrastination in the walk of a Christian because you've got to be on it. And look, here's the problem is oftentimes we're not because we're human and we put things off. So this is the dilemma that we have to, to manage through. So Julie, we've got, with each segment, we've got something called procrastination termination and these are things that we just cannot put off. So there are some things in life that you just got to deal with. What's our first procrastination termination point? Well, the Bible tells us we must go and reconcile with an offended brother. And the scripture citation is Matthew 5, 23 to 24. Jonathan? Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. And Rick, I had a thought on this verse. Sometimes it's harder to do it God's way, which is always the right way, uh, than to ignore a problem which can weigh on your mind a lifetime. But that begs a question. 
was it really harder doing it God's way? Uh, a moment of courage versus a lifetime of question uh, can plague you, really. You're right. It, it can, and we have to be really, really careful about that because we need to see things as they should be seen. And, you're, and, and it's so easy in that moment of putting things off to say, I'm just going to put it off, I'm just going to put it off. But then you have that lifetime, and then the big problem is insurmountable. So it would have been easier if we would have not procrastinated that big thing about reconciling with an offended brother. That's a scriptural principle, and folks, there are lots of things that we as Christians really, really need to get right on and not be at all involved in any kind of procrastination. So, look, the whole idea of putting things off seems to be directly contradictory to all of God's plans for us. So we all procrastinate. What might predict the likelihood of putting something off until later? You know what's great about subscribing to Christian Questions on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. You receive a push notification reminder every time a new episode is published. Plus, it's a good thing to binge listen to several episodes in a row. Really easy playlist features. And you can auto-download new episodes to your phone every week. So subscribe today. Now let's pick up the pace for tonight's topic. Someone very wise once said that we have a problem, that, that by acknowledging that we have a problem, has, uh, we've already embarked on the journey of solving it. By admitting that we procrastinate, we open the door to understanding its effect on us, and then we can position ourselves to find out why and work on a solution. So the big thing to get started is acknowledge that you've got a problem. Yes, we procrastinate. What do we do? Um, there are, for this segment, we're going to really focus on four main predictors of procrastination according to Piers Steele. He's a PhD, the procrastination equation. And Julie, a little bit about this individual. Well, so there's a lot of information on the internet, and many people have devoted really their life's work to figuring out why humans procrastinate, since we all do it at some point. So this Dr. Steele wrote a book called The Procrastination Equation that appealed to me because it allows for variables that are under our control. And it's based on a formula. And we're going to have, we'll put this formula in this week's CQ Rewind that you can get at ChristianQuestions.com or subscribe for free to our weekly newsletter. And it's a really basic formula. We'll go over it again, but it's expectancy times value over impulsiveness times delay. Whoa, no, wait, wait, wait. You're talking mathematics with big words. I know, and I hate math. <laughs> Expectancy times value and impulsiveness times delay. Your motivation increases if you have a higher expectancy and a higher value, and we'll talk about those, and your motivation decreases if you have more impulsiveness and greater delay. And we'll go into detail, but the point is we can more or less control some of these. Okay. All right. That, that makes actually makes more sense, you know, now, now that you, you did a little bit of explanation. So, uh, in this segment, there's actually four basic points that we want to go into as, uh, predictors of procrastination. These are things that if you look at yourself and say, yeah, I kind of fit that. Well, then what you need to do is look at yourself and say, huh, I may be, uh, in line to be someone who puts something off here. So let's get started with those predictors. Jonathan, what's the first one? Well, the first one is self-confidence expectancy. 
Okay, so what that means is, do you believe that you can succeed at doing that task? So if you believe you can, or you believe you can't, you're right. Because if you believe you can't, your motivation goes down and you'll probably have less success. So this is the chance of you getting the reward for doing something or suffering a consequence for not doing something. Do you believe you could succeed at doing the task? And we thought a good scripture for this would be Hebrews 10, 34 to 36. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. So this is an interesting scripture, you know, in terms of expectancy, because, you know, many of the Hebrew Christians had suffered, you know, let me back up. Paul Paul is writing in the context of the coming uh, sacking of Jerusalem and, and just the, the destruction of the temple in AD 70. And this is just a few years before. And many, many, many of the Jewish people at that point, Christians included, uh, Jewish Christians, were they lost everything. They lost everything. And so the apostle is writing to them and he's saying, Look, um, you joyfully accepted the seizure of your property. Paul is, fo- and so it's like, wait, wait, you're joyfully accepting losing everything? He's focusing the Hebrew Christians on the bigness of their future, not the insignificance of their loss. So Julie, tie that back in to this, to this self-confidence and expectancy thing. Well, I think that's the whole point, that if you have confidence, you know that there is, you are in possession of something better. You have the, the ability to ramp up your own confidence. This is, this is something that you can take control of. You are more likely to succeed and less likely to procrastinate if you have your confidence. And boy, there are so many scriptures. We have precious promises all over the Bible that tell us that God will be with us. We will have that strength. If God is for us, who can be against us? So we can have complete confidence. So this part of the equation should be ramped way up for the Christian, for our Christian walk. Yeah, now, now remember, though, in this example, they lost everything. And what you're saying is, in spite of losing everything, that confidence still, as a Christian, we need to have it right in place. Because the gut reaction of losing everything is to slow down and to stop and to be discouraged and to feel like quitting. And then you well, look what he said, do not throw away your confidence, right. which has great reward. Right, right. So, what he's saying is don't slow down. Don't procrastinate, even though you've suffered a major, major setback in your life. So the self-confidence expectancy, you know, like you said before, if you believe you can, great. If you believe you can, can't, great. Whichever way you believe, it's going to happen. We've got to focus ourselves. What's the second point here uh, in, in these four main predictors of procrastination? Two, the value or the excitement of the task. Okay, so remember, our equation is expectancy times value. So your value will ramp up your expectancy or your confidence. So the excitement of the task, think of the things that you're putting off. They're usually boring. They're things that you should be doing, but you don't really want to. Um, For most of us, taxes are a good example of this. We know we have to, but there's just so many more interesting things to do. (laughs) So we equate the boring with unimportant even though there's a lot of boring things that are important. But the more unpleasant or difficult a task is, the less likely we're going to do it. So one of the strategies 
is to allocate your worst tasks when you have the most energy. And we all have different things that we like. Some people procrastinate by cleaning and others procrastinate cleaning. (laughs) You know, it just depends on what your personality is. But if you can increase that excitement of the task and increase your confidence in it, that's where you are in control and you're less likely to procrastinate. You know, a good scripture for the excitement of the task we, we thought would be Luke 14, 16 through 20. But he said to him, a man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another said, I have married a wife and for that reason, I cannot come. So you've got these excuses in place and, you know, this a dinner shouldn't be boring, but when you look at the value part, you know, you said the value or the excitement of the task. The in, in, in this story that Jesus is telling, you know, you've got um you know a piece of land. Ah, I'm very excited, it's something brand new. The uh the yoke of oxen, okay, the five yoke of oxen, I've got to try them out. They're brand new. This is exciting, this is gonna change my life right here. Another one, I've got married and leave me alone, <laughs> you know. So you're you're what Jesus is saying is you have to be careful because discipleship is not tangible like those things are, and it tends to be devalued when compared to the actual physical things of life. Julie, any further comments on this? And then uh, Trish has come in with another comment. Well, you know, one of the the main tenets of Christianity, the true call of Christianity is sacrifice. And sacrificing isn't fun. Sacrificing isn't going out with your friends and, and, and doing this. And, you know, that's not, you know, while you're home at a Bible study. You know, it's making choices that would be more pleasing to the Lord with this or this, A or B, this or that. And you always want to make the better choice for your long term goals and the short term goals get in the way. And sometimes a long term goal, though, isn't that exciting in the short term emotion. Hard to see. Those are hard to see goals. And that's why procrastination sets in so easily. All right, Trish, what do you got? Well, I'd like to throw a question into the mix. Go ahead. Um, I was thinking of that uh, parable about the um, the guy who was on, he's in Matthew 25. He goes on a journey and he gives everybody a talent. Yes. And one person buries it in the ground. And I was wondering, is that like the epitome of procrastination? Because, you know, it's easier to bury it because it takes no effort you may be maybe out of fear but is that an example of procrastinating your christian talents your christian value and you you bury it all right that's actually a good question you know and what happens in 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 that parable the 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 situation is that he returns what he was given and so he's protected uh, the what what he was given but he didn't do what he was supposed to so, yeah, that, that, that is kind of the epitome of what we were just talking about with the previous parable about the, 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 the five yoke of oxen and the, and the, and the getting married and the, the piece of land. Things of great value that are tangible and physical to us 
mean much more than something that is not tangible. And I, and let's develop that as we go through the next couple of points, because I think the next couple of points are going to actually come back to that. So we're going to hang on to that and come back around. What's the third point, Jonathan, here uh, in terms of the four predictors of procrastination? First was the expectancy part. Do you have great expectancy? What is your expectation? Second is the value or the lack of value or excitement of the task. And the third is? Three, the personality trait of impulsiveness. Okay, so here's where we're going to get into some of the the negative parts of this equation. So if you're impulsiveness, it means you're spontaneous. And that can be great. But it means that you've got tremendous difficulty focusing on the future. It's our tendency to get distracted and not be focused on the present and what we have to do. Now, the future is worth to us far less than the present. So you really only feel motivation just before deadlines if you're impulsive. You know, have you ever seen that Disney movie? You know the movie Up with the old man who ties the balloons to his house and he travels away? Well, his dog companion is constantly distracted by squirrels. So we here at CQ, some of the volunteers, when we're working on different projects, we have a shiny squirrel alert when some new project seems more exciting to work on than whatever our immediate task is. So shiny squirrel, and you, <laughs> you tend to put things off, and that's what impulsiveness is. So a good scripture for this might be, oh, this is a real good one, Acts 26, 27 to 29. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time, you will persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would wish to God that whether in a short or long time, not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. So it's interesting because King Agrippa is is fascinated and drawn to what the Apostle Paul says. And he says, you know, keep it up and you can make me a Christian. But he doesn't pursue it. He puts it off. And, you know, Paul is about converting whomever is going to be able, willing to listen. How often do we have an opportunity to, like the call of Christ come our way? That kind of thing does not come too often. Why follow through now when we can put off for later and then forget about it? That's what Agrippa did to his, uh, to his loss, to his great loss. And it maybe didn't seem like such a great thing at that moment because, Julie, like you were saying, it comes down to it. The, the future just doesn't equal the present in terms of its emotional pressure and emotional uh, attention. So it was easy for him to put it off. And, and if I remember, he allowed Paul to speak quite at length. Yes. And Paul got to explain a lot of things. And Agrippa was very attentive. And he walked away from it because other things, you know, were catching his attention. Shiny squirrels. Yeah. Shiny <laughs> squirrels were all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think that going back to the to the parable that Trish brought up about the the talents and burying the talents you know the shiny squirrels of self-preservation sometimes get in our way of extending ourselves and we've got to be careful of that because that's not what the christian call is all about so we've got the self-confidence or expectancy be it good or bad we've got the value or lack thereof or the excitement of the task we've got the personality trait of impulsiveness these are all predictors of becoming a procrastinator. And Jonathan, what's the fourth one? For the delay. Okay, and just read that next line. Yeah, we're motivated less when the task completion or reward is further away. Okay, so here's the one that we really can't change. 
we can't change the timeline. We know that a, that a heavenly reward is at the end of our lifetime, no matter how long that is. But here's what we can do. We can set up certain milestones to force a deadline. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But there's this psychological term that I found, and it's called temporal discounting. It's also called delay discounting or time discounting. And it's the tendency of people to discount rewards because they're so distant in time that they cease to be valuable to you today. So remember, this theory says your, if your motivation increases, if you've got this higher expectancy and value, and your motivation decreases, if you've got more impulsiveness, shiny squirrels, and a greater delay. So Rick, you've got so many deadlines when it comes to Christian questions. And yet sometimes there are deadlines that aren't specific. Like, you know, you've got to get something done within the year of 2018. How do you, how do you, what do you do with these, with these deadlines that aren't, that don't exist? (laughs) I make them. That's, that's part of what, what I try to do for me. I see, I do need a deadline and I know I need a deadline. And so if I've got a, 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 a sermon to prepare, for instance, that's eight months from now, I want to have the basic uh, idea of it together uh, within the next six weeks. That's all I want. I just want the idea. What is it going to do? What do I think it's going to cover? And then in the next six weeks, I want to have the next phase and the next phase. So I create deadlines that nobody cares about but me. And because I am so deadline oriented, because Christian questions has taught me to be that way, um, I generally, I'm not perfect on this. I'll tell you, because there's a lot of times where I drop the ball, but it really helps me to pace myself so I can get something like that done. Hmm. So just a quick scripture on this, uh, Jonathan, uh, second Peter one, four. For by these things, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. And what's the progress point from that scripture, from the context of our theme scripture? Well, Rick, we not only have everything we need, we are assured of where we are going. And Julie, that really does put all of these four points together. You've got the things that you need, and you've got the future as well. Let's... um, you know, we're not going to have time to, uh, you know, let's do it anyway. Just This is because it's fun. One verse from a procrastination song about nothing. And that's the beauty of the song. Listen to the words. It's like the fifth verse in this song by Katie, by the Katie Diaries, the procrastination song about nothing. I'm really wasting time and not coming up with any lyrics. And yet the ones I've sung so far, they flow. Song about nothing. Good quote, Jonathan. What is it? Tomorrow is often the busiest day of the week. <laughs> for all of the reasons that we've just stated. So uh, we're, we're pretty tight on time for this segment. So, Julie, what's our procrastination termination point here? This one's tough. Deal with your anger right away. Ephesians 4, 26 to 27. 
Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. So deal with anger right away. That's a Christian principle that we really need to abide by. So how do I procrastinate? Let me count the ways. This is so easy that it's downright scary. It is not likely that we can completely eliminate procrastination. So what can we do to be better? Before we turn the page, we wanted to tell you about CQ Rewind. It's a free weekly service provided by our great team of contributors who help the guys prepare for each episode. It's an in-depth look at their research, scripture, and much more, showing you the map of Rick and Jonathan's content journey. Now let's continue finding out the better answers as we ask the better questions. Putting things off for the sake of not doing them is a big problem, as well as with big problems, it's rare that they can be completely solved. This is the state of so many areas of our imperfect lives, so we therefore have to accept progress as a solution. To make progress, you need to take specific steps, and it always comes down to that. It always comes down to taking some kind of steps and Jonathan, that was a question you asked at the very beginning. What can we do to get better? Uh, a good quote from a source that we don't know who it is. What do they say? If you always do the easy thing, life will be hard. If you always do the hard thing, life will be easy. And Julie, that's very much along the lines of what you already said, You know, putting things, just changing the order. The, when you have the highest energy, do the thing you like least. Just plow through it. So let's get back to our theme scripture. Again, we're looking at Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, taking in pieces throughout each segment and getting a progress point from each of those. And then we're going to get more deeply into uh, doing things, what we can do to be, to be better. So Jonathan, Second Peter chapter 1, this time verses 5 through 7. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Lots of stuff in there. What's the progress point? Because we have the tools and a clear vision, we can now build the character that we will need to get there. All right, so Julie, we're, we're looking at doing things better. Any thoughts? Well, you know, one of the, the main things that keeps coming up whenever you're dealing with procrastination to help is one of the best procrastination busters out there is making good habits. And I think that in watching you work in the last how many years we've been doing Christian Questions, I'd love to get a peek behind the curtain because you stay on a very strict weekly schedule to produce a, an hour and a half podcast every week for the last 20 plus years. How do you do it? <laughs> habit. Really, it, it comes down to having, having specific habits and realizing that some things have to be done by certain points in the week. And I don't know how specific you want me to get, but you know, podcasts are on Monday night. And so I, there are many others who need the notes, the finished notes from a podcast so they can, like you, Julie, you need them so you can do your pre-work pre for the rewind. 
uh, Jonathan needs them so he can study them and be ready, you know, to to participate. So I can't just finish the production of a, of an outline on Monday morning so we can do it Monday night. I I try to get it finished by Thursday around noontime to give everybody else the opportunity to do all the many, many, many things they have to do. So that means essentially, because I have a hard time working on something before the previous one is done too much, I work on it a little bit on Monday, on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, and part of Thursday. So I really have about two and a half days. And I put a lot of hours in those two and a half days. And I realize that with my work schedule, because I still do have a job, that I have to carve out time to get through X number of hours worth of research and study and prayer and meditation and writing so that it can be done. So you're right. I have to have the habit of get started, no excuse. And, and I guess that's the first one. Get started, no excuse. And I would think that these good habits that you've developed, you, you, your family has got to respect those because if you're doing certain things on certain days and at certain times – Trish, your wife and your own children and grandchildren have to know that these are your boundaries and you are just not going to be available at a particular time period. But when that's done, you are, you know, the perfect husband, the perfect grandfather, the yeah. perfect <laughs> employer, you know, employee, whatever you are. But I think that you're, you've, you've carved out these little times for the Lord and for the Lord's work first. And then you've kind of filled, backfilled with your daily what you need to do. Yeah, and, and, and it's hard. It's hard. I, I, I will not, you know, not make light of it. It's a very difficult thing. And there are some weeks where I'm just tired. Mm, but see, being, so. being tired is not an excuse to not get the work done. Mm. And again, you'll learn that because if I don't get the work done on time, then everybody else suffers, and it's not fair. And so it's really good that Jonathan needs to be able to study, and you need to have the stuff, and others need to do their uh, their, their their writing out of the sound bites and whatever it is they're transcribing, you know, because it makes me think I can't let them down. And so that's another part of it is realizing that I'm accountable to others. So, and, and we, we can talk more about this as we go. Here's the thing: Mo, most people's motivation kicks right in before the deadline. Okay, and that's that's human nature. But what if there's no deadline, or you want to avoid the stress of coming up against the deadline? Uh, and there are three really main points here, Julie. Let's get started with the first one. Well, in addition to good habits, we want to make something that's challenging. We want it to be made smaller. Cut our project into smaller, manageable pieces, but not so small that we get bored. You know, and then it, and then we procrastinate because of because of boredom. And uh, we, I think we've got a a soundbite on this. Yeah, we've got from WatchWellCast.com how to stop procrastinating. And these are three steps that we took from them. And uh, so now she, the woman doing the the narration here, is going to explain these steps in a little more detail. And this brings us to our WellCast three step method for stopping procrastination. Okay, are you ready? Step one, eat an elephant. Hey, uh, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Look, what I'm saying is you need time to digest or you're going to make yourself sick. Reward yourself for getting through parts of the project rather than waiting to reward yourself after the whole thing's over. Okay, procrastinator, think about that one project that you really need to get done. But calm down. Instead of letting it overwhelm you, organize that project into small, bite-sized, manageable segments. Think about what needs to get done and write down what you're going to be doing to tackle this project 
hour by hour and make it specific. By breaking down this giant project into smaller tasks, this elephant will become a lot less daunting. You know, and it's interesting, Julie, you know, you, you got me started thinking about the, the Christian questions development. And that's one of the things that I do on a, on a Tuesday, you know, depending on where I am, I think, okay, I need to have two segments done by the end of the day. And so I break it down into pieces and, you know, maybe on, on, on Wednesday morning and look, I, 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 because I run my own business, I can do Christian questions kind of while I work, which is kind of cool. Uh, but you know, I'll say, okay, by, by noon, I have to have sound bites located, you know, so I break it down to these little pieces because it's too big. It would be overwhelming. You'd be overwhelmed yeah. and you'd never put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's a really good, a good, good step. Jonathan, good scripture on this is Proverbs 3, 27 to 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in your power to do it, do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. And again, that's a great scripture to say, I'm accountable to you. Let me deliver what I'm supposed to deliver now rather than waiting till later. Handling an issue when it's just one thing is so much easier than handling a pile of issues. And I don't know, Jonathan, I see you nodding your head. That that can happen pretty easily, can't it? Oh, it really can, definitely. <laughs> so, so Jonathan, when, when things pile up for you, is it is it do you easily get overwhelmed with that kind of thing? Or is it the kind of thing it's like, okay, I can pound through this or it it gets overwhelming, and then I say Saturday morning when I wake up and I have the most energy, like Julie mentioned, attack the thing you don't like to do first. Once that's over, then the next one isn't so bad, and then it gets better. And then I may be tired by lunchtime, but I sure got a lot of those things done that I just didn't want to do. Right. And then then it's time to enjoy and 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 spend quality time with my wife. <laughs> I call that the ick at the bottom of the pile. The, and you've got to bring that ick forward and get through the ick or else you just will find no joy. Yeah, now, exactly. you know, the, 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 the problem with the ick at the bottom of the pile, you know what the problem is? You add an What's R, that? You add the longer an, it sits, the ickier it gets? Well, you add an R to it, it's the rick at the bottom of the pile. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm feeling a little bit, uh, it's like a little close here. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, uh, Julie, thoughts, uh, further thoughts on, on that first point? Well, you know, making concrete plans really helps. So like I have wanted to, I keep telling you, I've got this goal that I want to learn all about the Apostle Paul. Yep. And I wanted to help. I see I've already put it in the past. I want to help <laughs> with the research because you've never done full podcast, three-part series on, on the Apostle Paul right. because there's so much material on him. You've got a lot of, we've got a lot of Daniel and Jonah and everybody's gotten, you know, the, the play except the Apostle Paul. So I want to learn more about the Apostle Paul. Well, the more I say that, the less I do it. So <laughs> I'm, I, I've got to make concrete plans. Specificity helps our goals. It helps activate them. So I'd have to say, I'm going to wake up an extra hour early every Thursday, take my laptop to the room without the TV. I'll have the references I want to go ready the night before, and I'm going to turn my phone off. And that's how every Thursday, this is how I'm going to get. And I'm going to write a little bit of this outline for you to review. And, and maybe someday we'll have the Apostle Paul podcast. So, folks, if you want to write into Christian questions, you can ask Julie specifically, how are your Thursday uh, Apostle oh, Paul dear. studies going? There you have it. <laughs> <laughs> and Jonathan, the scripture, James 5.16. 
Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. See, there's specificity there. The effective prayer of a righteous man. To be effective, it has to be specific. Julie, what's the second step? Make the challenge smaller is the first step. What's the second step in doing things, in, in getting better? Well, um, I believe, what do we have? Short term is better than long term, and uh, we want to reduce our impulsive instincts. So short term, let's do that one, is better than long term. We want to make a series of immediate goals that get us to the finish line, kind of like what I was talking about with my Apostle Paul project. Quick wins on that project will increase your expectancy that you're going to get it done. And something that doesn't work well with us humans is avoidance goals. <laughs> like if I say, uh, an easy one, I'm not going to eat dessert or I'm not going to watch TV. You want to tell yourself instead, I, I'm going to eat more salad or I'm going to go out for a walk. So a replacement behavior is more effective than a negative behavior. Okay. Short term, better than long term. Let's go to step two from watchwellcast.com on how to stop procrastinating. Step two, pick out the itsy bitsy goblins instead of going for the whole dragon. The hardest part about starting any project is always starting the project. A good way to get around this is to start a project off with the task you like the best. Listen, when you do something that you like, your brain releases dopamines, which makes you happy. Maybe it's decorating the cover of a report or writing a snappy intro into an otherwise incredibly boring paper. And Jonathan, that reminds me of what you said. You know, you do those things that are difficult and then you can enjoy. And so you make those those difficult things actually a, a stepping stone to something good. And that's really, really powerful. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Not that I have already obtained it or I've already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So the Apostle Paul is showing us how to not procrastinate. It's a simple equation. Know what you should do. Do what you should do. Forget the things that were before. Put your priorities in, in, in order and go for it. And, you know, that sounds so easy and you can get all excited about that. And then reality sets in and we sort of slow down. Uh, and, and that really brings us to the third point. And you already mentioned it, Julie. It's re reduce your impulsive instincts. So just a, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. So we want to eliminate the environment of temptation and distraction, which is basically anywhere we are today in this world. So your goal is to get those temptations. That's those shiny squirrels farther away from you or make them less obvious. So maybe you're going to leave your phone in another room or here's a crazy idea. Pretend it's 2006 just before the iPhone came out and just <laughs> shut it off. That's really hard to do. Um, go to the library for an hour of study time. Stop checking your emails so much. You know, we're really vulnerable to these impulsive actions. There's a, there's a study that's out about how we check our email. What happens in our brain is equivalent to people playing on a slot machine. When we refresh that screen, ooh, here comes a good one, here comes a good one, yep, and yep. that same, that same um, happy endorphins get released in your brain that, that, a, that a gambling addiction creates. So we can be very addictive to that. Um, okay, I, I got to. Yeah, we, we got oh. a little little shy on time here. So this third step is reducing your impulsive instincts again. Let's listen uh, to watchwellcast.com. 
Step three, ignore the siren songs. Seriously. This step is straight out of Homer's epic poem, The Odyssey. In The Odyssey, our protagonist Ulysses is trying to get home. Unfortunately, this requires maneuvering through a strait of water, where sailors are often lured onto the rocks by creatures called sirens. Instead of giving up, Ulysses instructs his crew to tie him to the mast of his ship and for all of them to plug their ears. No matter how much he yells and screams to head towards the beautiful sirens, the sailors must keep on track. We're not saying that you need to actually tie yourself up to anything, but you should plan to clear any distractions that will hamper your ability to procrastinate later. For example, if you're a sucker for Facebook or online video games, have your parents or your roommates change the internet password to keep you on track for studying. The less temptations you give into or have the ability to give into, the better you'll be at acing that exam. So sacrifice, spending our time, getting our priorities right, doing the most important thing first. Jonathan, Scripture, James 4, 15, 14 through 15. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. So be humbly dedicated to growing. Good habits, a predictable workout routine, specific study time, Julie, like you were saying. And we're, we're a little shy on time here, but just quick wrap up on some of these reducing your impulsive instincts. Well, um, maybe we should, let's see, what do we want to talk about? Well, maybe we just go right into that procrastination termination Okay, go that's ahead. a real good one. You know, the Bible tells us we here's something we cannot procrastinate. Be instant and dedicated in prayer. Colossians 4 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So the idea is that prayer is the lifeline. And prayer really, when you think about it, can take us out of the emotional attachments to the things that are present that are so enticing and keep us focused on the things that are bigger and stronger in the future that don't have as much of an emotional pull for us now. So one of the secrets to countering procrastination is to think smaller. That takes the pressure off. While avoiding procrastination, we also say be patient. Isn't patience just a fancy word for procrastination? As we try to stay on track with research, sometimes you go down unexpected roads. That's part of education, debates, and differing opinions. You just can't take everyone at their word, and oftentimes you have to consider the other side of the story. That's why we're always asking our listeners to give their opinions on the questions we're answering. Message us at ChristianQuestions.com or through the Christian Questions app. Speaking of the other side, time to go in reverse with a CQ Contradiction. We need to take some time on this because, as we shall see, patience and procrastination are two very different things, though they may look the same. Understanding and applying the differences can be one of the most important keys to our faithful following of Jesus and to our ability to actually put off and put away from us the propensity to procrastinate. So, Jonathan, let's go right back to Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, we're going through verses 1 through 11 throughout all five segments. We are now up to verses 8 and 9. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, 
having forgotten his purification from his former sins. So up to this point in these verses, it's all been very, very positive and very strong. And now he says, well, look, if you lack these qualities, you're short-sighted. And really that comes back to what Julie was saying about you know, focusing on the, the emotional things of today. So what's our, what's our progress point here, Jonathan? Because we are human, we are susceptible to forgetting the most important things. God's grace makes room for us to remember again and get back on track. And that's an important thing. God's grace and mercy are big, and when we fall down, he gives us the ability to get up. Uh, quick quote here from Joe Ryan, and then we're going to get down to uh, patience and procrastination. There's nothing to match curling up with a good book when there's a repair job to do right around the house. <laughs> yeah, a good book or a nice football game or a, something like that, you know. Uh, you know, but here's the thing. Improving our characters and therefore avoiding procrastination requires, and Julie, you touched on this in the last segment, introspection. So, Jonathan, let's do Second Corinthians 13.5 and then Julie... You know, let's go to the patience and procrastination and the introspection, put it all together. Second Corinthians 13.5. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? So, you know, examine yourselves. This introspection is really important because it leads us back to our expectancy times value, impulsiveness, and delay. You know, it tells us where our um, shiny squirrels are going to be, how we think in the long term and how we think in the short term. So what was interesting, though, is I got to thinking how procrastination is viewed so negatively most of the time, and yet patience is a virtue. Mm -hmm. And what's the difference? And in doing a little research on this, I found that here's a really, here's a really interesting uh, dichotomy. All procrastination is delay, but not all delay is procrastination. And patience is the deliberate, thoughtful delay of action, while procrastination is a lack of self-regulatory ability. All right, okay. We'll pause right there. Patience, say that again. Patience is what? Patience is the deliberate thoughtful delay of action okay so and there's a lot of benefits to that right and procrastination is a lack of self-regulatory ability okay so we need to get into this patience and procrastination scenario and we're going to be going to uh refreshleadership.com patience and procrastination by jim stovall so, Julie, any introductory comments? Or you just want to get into some quotes from this article. Let's get into it because this was a, this was this really opened my eyes. Okay, patience is a significant element of success, and procrastination is a significant element of failure. To an outside observer, patience and procrastination can look the same. The difference between patience and procrastination can be determined by whether you're waiting on something or something is waiting on you. Okay. So how about a scripture on procrastination? That would be Ecclesiastes 11.4. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. So how about one on patience as a contrast, Hebrews 12.1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us, and let us run with patience, the race that is set before us. 
So you see the difference there. In the Ecclesiastes scripture, you're watching the wind and you're not doing any of your sowing. You're not doing the work that you're supposed to do. And somehow you want a good life and you want to have your food and you want to be successful. But yet in the Hebrew scripture, it says, lay aside every weight and lay aside that sin. It takes account for the fact that we are sinful, that does easily beset us. We get that there's shiny squirrels. We get that we have health problems. We get that people will disappoint us. We get that we will be betrayed. Set that aside. Run with patience. Run little steps at a time, little chunks at a time, and we will get to the end of that race. So this Jim Stovall article continues with these examples. Remember, procrastination and patience, the difference is whether you're waiting on something or something's waiting on you. So he continues, if you drive by a farm during the springtime, and there appears to be no activity underway, it may be because the farmer has already planted and is patiently waiting for the next phase of his activity. Or it could mean the farmer is procrastinating and avoiding the task of planting, which could endanger or ruin his crop. All right, so Julie, let me just interject here, because you're looking at something and you're seeing no activity. So to the untrained eye looking in, you can't tell the difference. You can't tell if the farmer's actually already done his work and now he's doing his legitimate waiting or if the farmer is illegitimately waiting because he's like in that earlier scripture, he who watches the wind will not sow. It's like, oh, it's too windy. The conditions aren't right. So you can't tell from the untrained eye. And I think that's really an important factor in this, looking into somebody else's world. We've got to be careful about not you know, making judgments on them in their in, in, in their abilities or their lack of abilities that we might perceive. So a good uh, patience versus procrastination scripture might be Proverbs twelve twenty four. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put to forced labor. Okay, let, let's just back up and go over these last two things a, a little bit just because this is such such good stuff. The difference between patience and procrastination can be determined by whether you're waiting on something or something is waiting on you. So patience is calculated looking forward and realizing to progress, you need to go slow. Procrastination is calculated looking forward saying, I don't want to. I'm going to find a way not to. So patience has a very powerful sense to it and procrastination just pulls us apart and and takes away our motivation well let me let me give you an example one of your daughters is a nurse right yes so when she woke up one morning and said gee i want to be a nurse and that goal didn't happen in the first week or the first second week or the third week or the first year or the second year she had to sit down i'm guessing have some sort of plan that here's today x mark And here is when I am today as a nurse, X mark. And that's a long distance. So you've got to go to school. You've got to fund that school. You've got to make plans to, you know, adjust your life to be there at a certain time. You've got to take tests. You've got to plan for it. But then you've got to work your plan. And if she just gave up and thought, well, that's so far off and it's going to take me so long and I don't have the money and I don't have the time, you'll never get there. Yeah. yeah. And and that's having patience 
to be able to do something that doesn't have instant gratification. Yeah, and you know, and just with my daughter, now that you brought her up as an example, she's actually an APRN, an Advanced Practicing Registered Nurse. So she got her degree and she went into nursing and she was working in the field. And while she's working and, and supporting herself, decided that she wanted to be an Advanced Practicing Registered Nurse, which is a much, much, much bigger step, and did that along the way. And it took a long time, but she chipped away at it, got it done, and it, it's an amazing thing when you can look back at how the efforts along the way got you to the end results. And looking back over that, there's such a sense of accomplishment. Looking forward when you're in the middle of it, there's a sense of, I'll never get there. But that's the difference between being patient and being a procrastinator. So that, that and, actually, and, go ahead. And that's what we can't have as a Christian, right. where you sit in the middle and you go, oh, it's too hard. Yeah. I'll never make it. Right, right. And, 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 and again, the life, you think about it, and, and you know those bracelets that, that people sometimes wear, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And you think about it, Jesus never procrastinated anything ever. When something needed to be done, when there was an opportunity, he always stepped up and stepped out. And if we are supposed to be following in Jesus' footsteps, we must also always try to step up and step out. Now, we're, look, we're not going to do it the way he did it. We can't. We're not, it's not, we're not capable, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't put the effort out to, to get there. Let's get back to that article. Okay, so the last paragraph of this article, uh, this man said, I meet many aspiring entrepreneurs at speaking engagements, movie premieres, and book signings. And when I inquire about their current project or next opportunities, they often use platitudes such as, I'm waiting for my ship to come in, or I'm waiting to get all my ducks in a row. In reality, they never sent a ship out. They've been waiting so long their pier collapsed. And not only are their ducks not in a row, but they flew off or died of old age a long time ago. <laughs> Isn't that fabulous? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How many times do you hear that where I'm just waiting to get all my ducks in a row? Yeah. There ain't no ducks. <laughs> cool. um, so a good scripture on this we thought was Ephesians five fifteen to 17. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then... Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, and, and the idea of making the most of your time. Uh, again, for me, in my Christian Questions experience, um, it, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting uh, observation because a lot of, a lot of Christians that, that I meet and you know, found out about this, and they, they always ask me the exact same question. They always ask me the exact same question. How do you do what you do every week? How do you do that? And the answer is always the same. And, and you know, it, it almost sounds like, like, a, like just like a corny answer, but the answer is I do it one day at a time, one hour at a time. Because if I look at the big thing, it is just too big. It's too scary. It's too overwhelming. It's too, it's too heavy. So I work on what, what day is today. Today's Monday. What am I supposed to accomplish today? Okay, let me just do that. I got a sense of what I'm supposed to accomplish on Tuesday. Let me just do that. It's that not worrying about getting your ducks in a row, just worrying about accomplishing the day's task. And for me, that's one of the, quote, secrets, if you will, of, of being able to keep up with the demand is God's grace is sufficient for right now. 
He's going to give me grace for later when I need it later. I don't need to worry about that. Right now, I'm going to work with his grace. So let me just um, wrap up this um, this last few lines of this article. Patience involves celebrating the task you have done while waiting for the seed you have planted to grow. See, that's, that's amazing. Waiting for the seed that you have planted to grow. That implies that you are patiently waiting because you have done some activity along the way. Whereas procrastination, back to the article, involves avoiding what you know needs to be done, which makes a mockery of your passion, your goals, and your destiny. So, Julie, thought, thoughts on just sort of wrapping up this, this article? Well, you know that Ephesians 5, um, 16 that, that we just read where you said making the most of your time. Isn't that the redeeming your time scripture? Yes. Right? So the King James says it's redeeming the time. Yeah. And um, redeeming the time means you don't look at things in chunks of decades or lifetime. You look at it in where are my minutes? What can I do with my minutes? And one of the things that we wanted to do a Christian question with that exact redeeming the time is we've created videos called Moments That Matter. And so if you have one or two minutes or three minutes in your day where you just want to be thinking on something, meditating on something that's positive, something scriptural, you can go to our YouTube channel, christianquestions.com slash YouTube, and look up these moments that matter and just something to, to think about throughout your day. And I think that's how we're going to be successful is we're going to redeem the moments, redeem the minutes, redeem the hours, then redeem the days. So procrastination then can be broken down to what am I deciding to do right now? It's not necessarily looking at the big thing. We've already talked about this. It's looking at what's in front of me. Uh, how can I take what's in front of me and, and uh, accomplish it in a better way? I, uh, I, there's a, a phrase that I learned, and I don't know if I'm supposed to say this now or not, but from, from a sales trainer years and years and years ago that says, do the most important thing at any given moment. And that's another thing that I have learned to live by. Do the most important thing at any given moment. And sometimes that most important thing is not, not working. Sometimes it's, it's spending time with my family. Sometimes it's, it's trying to get the sound bites right. Sometimes it's doing the study and the meditation for the, for the script. Whatever it is, the most important thing, everything else is, it should be someplace else. That's how you keep from procrastinating. So, uh, just quick final comments on uh, this segment, Julie, and then you get to our procrastination termination. Well, you know, in thinking about patience versus procrastination, you know, waiting patiently can allow us to make better decisions. There's a scripture that talks about being quiet and listening to the still small voice of God. You know, something where we're we need to prayerfully consider our steps. And it, it's not running willy-nilly and jumping into something that may not be right for us just because we don't want to procrastinate. You know, patience allows us time to weigh out pros and cons. And you can't wait forever, but you do need to to balance with that impulsiveness. Is that we got to pull back on the impulsiveness and move back forward with conviction and with strength. So what's our procrastination termination point then? Okay, the Bible says we have to frame every life activity in the context of honoring God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I'll tell you what, whenever I hear that scripture, Jonathan, I always think of you. 
<laughs> I do because nice. you have always work your work that way. And that's part of your character that I, I just, that, that it just inspires me. Do all to the glory of God. Even if it's the most mundane thing you can possibly think of, do it to God's glory. So here we go. Patience and procrastination are not related, though getting rid of procrastination takes lots of patience. So patience is in and procrastination is out. How do we now successfully pull this all together? We're uncovering the truth scripture by scripture while gathering information from across today's media landscape with our vast CQ team of contributors. We want to hear from you, our listeners, for more contribution to our conversations. Talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com or message us through the Christian Questions app and our producers may read your comments over the air. Let's continue working through our topic with all our tools. We're reviewing the evidence. Now let's put it together. Up to this point, we have seen what might predict the things we will procrastinate, and we have learned that success against putting things off is in our step-by-step journey. We now also know that patience and procrastination are opposites. Now we can get to our Christian bottom line on the whole matter. We've got to get to the bottom line. And it's interesting, this is a Christian bottom line, but we're going to use a quote from Warren Buffett. A, an incredible businessman to, to make or to begin to make that point. A majority of life's errors are caused by forgetting what one is really trying to do. And Warren Buff, Buffett wrote that in his uh, Buffett Partnership Limited letter uh, when he was 25 years old, back in 1965. A majority wow. of life's errors are caused by forgetting what one is really trying to do. That's what Christianity is. That's where Christianity fits. We get sidetracked when we forget our main Christian goal and objective. What's our bottom line? Opportunities for service and spreading the gospel message. The time is now for doing those things. Jonathan, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. We'll just go to the second portion of 6, 2. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And um, the so the time is now, you know, and, and it's interesting and, and don't want to get into this in, in terms of the doctrinal discussion, but that's a quote from the Old Testament. And it says that now is an acceptable time because there is a second level of salvation for the rest of the world that comes later. But that's a subject for a different different podcast. Just wanted to throw that in the opportunities, though, that we have for Christians are right now back to our verse, Second Peter chapter 1. Now we're to verse 10, which is our theme text in verse 11. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. And, uh, Julie, I'm going to ask you about this phrase, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. But, but before that, Jonathan, what's the progress point to wrap up the views of Second Peter chapter 1? Well, Rick, the prospect of our future is incredibly bright if we just keep on moving forward. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Just keep moving toward the goal. Julie, what about this? Be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. 
Well, you know, I know this scripture as the King James Version. You know, you were reading the New American Standard, and that is uh, his calling and election sure. Make your calling and election sure. That's the phrase that I've grown up with. And yet here, this really gives a different twist to it, that you're called, but yet you still have to be chosen. You know, God has a a plan for you and you will absolutely fit into his plan, but you have to be found worthy of that plan. You have to do something. You cannot just stare at the clouds and say, ah, rain's coming. I can't plant my field. You've got to make those steps. And that's the only way you're going to be assured that you will have everything that you need. God will supply everything you need to be faithful, but you've got to make that step. That's really important. Okay, so it is about our fulfilling that which we promised. And as a Christian, we can't fulfill that which we, which we promised if we procrastinate, if we put it off, if, and like Trish said earlier, if we take that talent and we just bury it in the ground and protect what we've been given, that's not the point. The point is growth is supposed to happen. Um, now, the opposite side of this whole thing is being a and, and and Becca, who is a Christian Questions contributor, uh, she coined this phrase. I, I never heard this phrase until I heard it from Becca. Uh, a procrastinator. So so Julie, just very quick, we got a quick soundbite from Becca, actually, our, our our CQ contributor. Just a little bit about her, what she does, and, and all of that. Then we'll do do that soundbite. Well, we asked her to be to give us this soundbite because of all the people that I know, uh, she is one of the most amazing people who have the ability to get things done. And she is a, she's also one of our volunteers and she's in charge of all of our social media accounts. So I'll put in a quick commercial. (laughs) Uh, You can find us at CQ Bible podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. CQ Bible podcast is our handle. And she also produces all of our videos that are wonderful to check out, including we have a brand new animated CQ kids series and you can find that at christianquestions.com slash YouTube. And so she does all these videos, all the social media, helps to provide all the resources for each program. She handles a lot and never misses a deadline. And I asked her, how do you do it? And you don't procrastinate ever. So please give us some information. And this is what she gave us. Okay, so let's listen to uh, Becca's own take on, on being what she calls a procrastinator. One of the downsides to being a procrastinator is that I like to be efficient. I like to make decisions quickly, make a plan, get things done, and checked off my list. So sometimes what happens is I've quickly finished a task, filed it away, and in an effort to get it done quickly and efficiently, I think I can be too easily satisfied with the first or easiest solution instead of something a little more well thought out. So for example... When my now husband proposed to me, we got married about four months later because we figured, well, what are we waiting for? So I found the fastest and easiest solutions immediately, and everything for the wedding was squared away. Now, it was only a wedding, not life or death, but I probably would have changed a lot of things had I had the time to think them over a little more. So sometimes it is a good idea to have a little more time before rushing into a decision so that you've properly weighed out all of the options. So that's the opposite side of what most of us struggle with. And I think the, the, the beauty of that is she's saying be careful of it because just because you may not be a procrastinator, procrastinator doesn't mean everything's just going just swimmingly well. 
there's there, you've got to be able to slow down. See, most of us need to speed up. Some of us need to slow down. You got to find that middle ground that gives praise and honor to God. And sometimes it just takes a little bit longer. And it's all about putting yourself in that position of being honoring to our Heavenly Father. And that is really going to come down to our next section here. There's no better way to fight off procrastination than making the journey with true joy. So we're going we're gonna put to put joy on the table, having joy in the journey uh, as, a, as a way to manage procrastination. And Jonathan, our scripture is going to be Nehemiah 8.10. Now, the, the, the context of this verse is Nehemiah rallied, and we did a, a series on Nehemiah a while ago. He rallied many, many, many individuals to help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, to protect the city, and he was really instrumental because they had fallen away, they'd lost interest in God, and now that they've done that, uh, they're realizing how far off track they had gone. And they were feeling very sorrowful, even after they accomplished this great work. And here's where Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 comes into play. Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that was the value, is that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And yes, maybe you made mistakes, but look at the joy of the Lord. Uh, uh, Julie, thoughts? Well, you know, the, the experts on this idea of why humans procrastinate, they bring in this concept of joy. We want to choose a perception. Choose a perception of the situation that allows us to approach it in a way where it doesn't bring dread and resentment. And we tend to procrastinate if it's unpleasant. So whenever there's something you think is necessary to be done, we want to ask this question, can I bring any amount of joy into the doing of it? And if you absolutely can't enjoy the task, will you enjoy having it done? Is there some reward for having it done? I'll have more free time. Or if I do this, it'll help someone else, even though it's not something I really want to do. And, you know, there's there's also a scripture that talks about um, doing your work unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so even if you are digging ditches for a living, and that's your foreseeable future for the next 30 years, you dig those ditches as if it's being done to the Lord, and you find joy in, in that ditch digging to any extent that you can. And, and that's that's how you do it. So if, you, if you've got a job, let's say you've got a task, you say, I'm going to take 30 minutes on this, just 30 minutes, and then I'm going to go take a walk around the block. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go make a phone call. I'm going to go have an ice cream, you know, whatever. Give yourself a little reward, then go back to it. And it gives you some measure of control, and then the task isn't as big as it once was. You can do it for 30 minutes and find a way to enjoy it. So how we interpret something has a huge impact on how we experience it. Very, very, very much so. Very much so. And You know, let me ask you a question, though, because you were telling me about a movie that you saw. Because, yeah. you know, I, I, I look at you and I look at really your deadline after deadline after deadline after deadline. And every day is accounted for. And yet you quoted me back. A Dennis Quaid movie. <laughs> I did. What was that? Yeah, you know, and and you know because sometimes the the weight 
is becomes overwhelming. And sometimes you feel discouraged and feel like you can't, like, how is it going to happen again? And, and I don't know. I just can't. And it, it, the Dennis Quaid movie, with the movie was called The Rookie. It was about a, a, a guy who was a, a high school baseball coach, and he was a pitcher. Uh, and he, his, long story short, his team talks him into trying out for the, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. This is actually a true story. And um, so he's going, and he makes the minor league team. Now, when he's on the minor league team, in minor leagues, it's very difficult because you don't make a lot of money. It's a grueling schedule, and you know. So, and he's getting tired, and he feels like he wants to quit. So he's ready to quit, and he's walking around one evening, and he's going to turn in his uniform uh, later on, and he goes and he watches some kids play baseball, and he just gets that spark in his eye, like. And, and he walks back from watching these kids play baseball and he goes to the star of the minor league team and he says to whatever his name, he says, you know what we get to do tomorrow? We get to play baseball. And he's got this gleam in his eye. And I think of that line, and you know, that again, sounds corny, but I think of that line, first of all, I love baseball, but I think of that line all the time because when I get tired and I get discouraged, what I think is, wait a minute, I get to preach the gospel. I get to preach the gospel. I get to talk to the whole world. What do I have to be tired for? That's what I get to do. And it changes the way I look at things because it brings the joy back and the joy overrides the difficulty. So for me, that you're right. That, that was a very – and you can ask my wife. That's, that's something that I, I talk about all the time. Um, we, we need to try to wrap up a few things here uh, at, at the end of this podcast. Always remember, folks, that you are worthy – because Jesus made you that way. And you know, this thing about procrastinating, let's, let's understand, it's not just about what we do, it's about who we are becoming. If we are supposed to become Christ-like, you don't want to procrastinate that. That is the most important thing. Jonathan, Philippians four twelve to 13. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So the apostle is just talking about, I've gone through all kinds of things, but his life has been thoroughly focused on being Christ-like, doing the things that Jesus would have him to do above anything else. And I think that is a really, really powerful and important part of this whole process. Let's skip down to, Julie, you've got some notes here on perfectionism and active procrastination. Just kind of briefly explain that. Let's go to a scripture and try to just figure that out as we wrap up. Well, um, let's give the scripture first. Proverbs 24, 16. For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of calamity. So a lot of what happens is, and this is a little bit falls into the procrastination. Sometimes people are unable to move forward because they are afraid that they can't do it perfectly. And I was just speaking with someone um, at church on Sunday who said that he has anxiety attacks. And I said, well, why? You know, the Lord has everything under control. You know that your the hairs on your head are numbered. What do you have to be anxious about? And he said, and he's a young, young man. He said, I'm afraid that I will fail. So I, I, it's hard for me to move forward. I'm afraid I'm going to fail. And God isn't asking for us to be perfect. 
God's asking us to get back up. Don't stay down. A righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. And that's the road that we want to go on. So we had a few tips for perfectionists, and this came from psychology today. Um, The first one is let your desire to impress others go. Your performance is not the only place we derive our sense of self-worth. Okay. Let your performance, uh, just your desire to impress, let it go. Jonathan, what's the next one? Understand the difference between excellence and perfection. You see, it's not about being perfect. It's about being engaged in the process. Julie, what's the next one? Don't wait for conditions to be perfect to get started. Get started right now. That's right. And that's a huge one. And Jonathan, the last one? Instead of focusing on and fearing failure around the outcome, focus instead on the process, the journey. All right. Julie, our final procrastination termination point. Okay. The Bible says, faithfulness to Christ is accomplished when we fight procrastination. It's an everyday thing. And that's Revelation 2.10. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. All right, Julie, give me 20 seconds wrap up. Well, you know, hopefully we've given some helpful and practical tips on increasing our self-confidence, our expectancy, and the value of the task, and decreasing those shiny squirrels and the impulsiveness, and bringing that long delay closer to us, specifically when it comes to our desire to be more like Jesus, and our common goal of being pleasing to our Heavenly Father for the ultimate reward we just read in Revelation 2.10. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. That is our goal, and we can get there. Julie, thanks so much. Appreciate all the work and effort you put into this. Very, very helpful. Thanks so much. Folks, listen, it really comes down to the personal choices you make now and today and tomorrow and the next day and decide, let me do the most important thing that's in front of me right now that gives honor and glory to God. You know what that is in most cases. Just go and do it. One small step at a time. For Jonathan, Rick, and Julian Christian Questions, we hope you've enjoyed being with us. Procrastination exists, but it doesn't have to rule your life. Think about it. And folks, listen, we really truly do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode or other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Rate us, review us. We greatly appreciate it. Next week, we'll be talking about why did the tongues of fire touch the apostles? Talking about Pentecost and what all that means. Fascinating stuff. Talk to you next week.